Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Well, good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. It's good to see you. I think I'll get to see you here in a second. There we go. Welcome, guys. Hey, we're in this series uh, titled Staying Balanced, and we're exploring some of the, the tensions that naturally exist uh, in our lives through the book of Mark. Let's take a look at some of those here. Um, before Easter, we started out talking about uh, or looking at the mountaintops and the valleys, and we, just to, as a reminder, we spend most of our times in the valleys, and, and that's okay. Okay, those mountaintop experiences with God are meant to sustain us uh, and bring us uh, just a new perspective on who he is and what he wants to do through us. Um, And it it helps us live those valleys with purpose. Um, We looked at uh, others' expectations, kind of a different way to look at the triumphant entry, but very relevant for us today. Last week, we picked this series up post-Easter, talking about the tension that exists between our past and our present. And today, we continue that by looking at the tension that exists between our, between our ends and our beginnings. Um, just a couple stats for you. Um, according to the United Nations World Population Prospects Report, approximately 7,500 people die every day in the United States. That's about every 12 seconds someone is passing away. About 10,563 people are born each day, which is a person is born every eight seconds. Unfortunately, our birth rate is about 3,000 plus every day or about a million 91,000 every year our population grows. In 2016, there were 827,261 divorces in the United States or about 2,300 divorces per day. In 2016, there were 2.2 million marriages, which breaks down to about 6,200 weddings each day. That's a lot of weddings. The Washington Post reports that 10,000 people are retiring every day. The boomer generation is moving through. That's almost 4 million people per year. In the next month, 3.6 million students are expected to graduate from high school. Roughly 35.5 million Americans move each year, and the average person changes job 12 times in their career. I say all this, to show us that, that change is inherently built into life. I mean, times of transition, they're coming if there aren't, they aren't already here. Just from these stats alone, we can see that individual lives, families, and organizations are almost in a near constant state of transition in response to a number of circumstances and choices. And so the main question that we want to consider this morning as we wrap up the book of Mark is how does anyone stay balanced amidst all this change. With all these endings and startings and new seasons and old seasons, how does anybody keep their balance? You know, as I looked, think, uh, thought back about my own life and just some of the circumstances or choices that I made that, that caused change in times of transition in my life, I can remember back 10 years ago, like many of you, when the recession hit, we had accepted a, a children's pastorate at a, at a church in, in Dayton, but because of the recession, our house, after a year on the market, had not sold. And so rather than, than stay and let the house go, we came back. And so that year, 
be, for some circumstances that were largely out of our control, we were uh, in a near constant state of transition. Other changes um, were by choice. I chose to get married. I chose to have children. chose to teach and pastor as my professions. I chose to move here, move there. And all of these changes, whether circumstantial or by choice, have caused me to adapt I've had to learn to grow. I've had to acquire new skills in order to keep my balance. And I think that if we had time and we could hear stories, I think that you would, or we would find that all of us have experienced similar changes. Some circumstantial, some by choice. But every single one of them have forced us to grow. When we uh, have one season of our life end and another begin, we've all had to find ways to stay balanced. Now, if you and I are able to stay balanced, then I want you to know that we are in the minority. You see, most of us lose our balance during times of transition. And the reason I say that is there's evidence that shows that people, when they get in times of transition, they readily adopt bad habits and stop good habits, right? I mean, changes tend to overwhelm us. They throw us out of our rhythm. And so the good things we had going, the good habits we had going, we we kind of falter there. And so as a result, we emerge from these times of transitions uh, much different than we would like to have, okay? And so how do we stay balanced when one part of our life ends and another begins? How do we finish one season well and start another season strong? That's the real question here this morning. Now, we're not the first group of people to struggle with this or wonder about this. In fact, Jesus' disciples were struggling with this as their time with him came to a close and their life without him began. And so let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we're going to read the entire chapter here. And we're going to read their story because in it, we're going to find some actionable insights that will help us stay balanced during our times of transition. So let's start Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Now, if you need a, uh, a Bible um, and you don't have one with you today, just raise a hand. I'm sure Brother Jim would be willing to, to bring you one. And if you don't have one of your own, just keep it. Consider it a gift from Cornerstone Church. So let's look at Ma- uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out, purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Now, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you uh, before he died. Now, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with with a sacred and unfailing message of salvation. Oh, you know what? Does your Bible have two endings in Mark? Oh, I apologize. I just read the shorter ending. Go to verse 9. After Jesus rose from the dead, 
early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. That's important. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell others, but no one believed them. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they, had, what they said by many miraculous signs. So several aspects of the disciples' life were ending while others were beginning. Made a little chart here. So what was ending? Their life with Jesus, their physical walk with him, their ability to go and hang out with him, to see him, uh, to eat dinner with him, call him on the phone, ask him how he's doing, you know? Um, they, that aspect of their life was ending. So was their local ministry. You know, I think that made a lot of them quite sad because they had uh, postponed their careers, put their careers on hold in order to go and travel with him for those three years and minister. Um, and so they kind of were getting prepared to head back to their, their, their previous careers. Um, ministry with their own power was ending. Uh, you know, they, they were there with Jesus. They were ministering with their own strength, their hope from freedom from Rome. I think several of them were very disappointed that Jesus did not uh, lead a uh, an insurrection and revolt against Rome. The only thing that they could focus on was the fact that their life was gonna, go, going to begin without Jesus. The season of their life without him was beginning. They didn't know that God had bigger plans for them, that he was going to expand their, their ministry, that he was going to empower with them, them with the Holy Spirit, and he was going to set them free from sinful and selfish tendencies. And just a couple things to note. First of all, when we find the disciples in verse 10, we, it specifically mentions that they were mourning and weeping, okay? And so I think uh, as a first point of application or as a side application here for us is that we have to cut ourselves a little bit of slack. When one season of our life is ending and another is beginning, it is only natural for you and I to experience some sadness, it is only natural for there, there to be some tears, especially if there, it, was a, it was marked by good people and good times, right? I got a Spotify playlist called that. Do you guys have Spotify? It says uh, good times and good people or something like that. It's pretty good. You should check it out, right? But that's how, when we have a season of life like that, it is hard to move on. You know, when you are facing the loss of a loved one or the uh, change in your career, or you have to leave behind the house that you grew, your kids grew up in or you grew up in or the neighborhood that you love these people and you, you have to find a new congregation and you have these transitions in your life. It is only natural for you and I to experience a smidge of sadness. And so I think that um, you need to cut yourself a little slack. 
okay? The disciples, they were struggling with that, and rightfully so. The second thing, uh, as a kind of a side or a starter application for us, is, you know, when we are in that moment of sadness and we are in the midst of a transition and facing one season of our life ending and a new one beginning, and we don't really know what that new one is going to look like, it is only natural for us to lack perspective and I think that that partly contributes to our sadness. And if we can get alone with God and get a broader perspective, get his heavenly perspective, we will see soon enough how he's going to expand our lives. The disciples at this point in verse 10, they had no idea. They had no idea the awesome things that God was going to do. That They would walk through the streets and someone would merely, in faith, touch the, the hem of, you know, the robe of Peter's garment there, reach out or take a, a tissue that had been anointed with oil and prayed over and receive healing. They had no idea none of those wonderful things were going to happen. They had no idea that on one day the Holy Spirit would fall and 5,000 people would come to know the Lord. They had no idea how their little group would go and spread out all over Asia and Northern Africa and on towards India and all the way to us. Years and years later, right? They didn't see that. And so if you're in a time of transition right now, I encourage you to get alone with the Lord and get his perspective because in that, he will begin to show you and begin to encourage you and he will lift you out of that sadness and begin to show you some of the wonderful things he wants to do with your life. And so this is where Jesus comes in. Jesus comes in. He appears to two uh, two, three people. He appears to Mary and then to these two others as they were walking. And then he appears to his disciples. And he comes and meets them where they're at. He uh, doesn't leave them to fend for themselves. He comes and he helps them regain their balance as one season of their life is ending and another is beginning. So what can we learn from him about keeping our balance uh, when our, our life is also in that situation. So the first thing I, I wrote was finishing well, okay? How can we finish well? Well, how could have the disciples finished well? And I say could have because I don't know that they really did. I think that's why Jesus had to come and specifically speak to them. Look again at verses 11, 13, and 14. Look in there. You'll see he appears, and then he comes in verse 14. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And so they had just accepted the reality of his death, which they, it took them forever, right? He's walking and he's talking and telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And they didn't believe it. They didn't accept it. And finally... Finally, he, he passes away and they accept that reality. And now three days later, someone's coming to them and telling them that he's alive. They're like, don't, don't talk to me right now, right? Don't tell me he's alive. I just literally got to the point where I accepted his, his death and now you're telling me I need to accept the reality of his resurrection. They weren't having any of it. But this made Jesus upset. In verse 14, we see he, he rebuked them. They refused to believe, no matter how adamant Mary was, no matter how adamant these two other two disciples were, they refused to believe, and so he rebukes them. So here's the application point for us. The first one is this. 
to stay balanced during a time of transition, maintain a malleable mind. Maintain a malleable mind. You know, things that are malleable, I teach a bit of chemistry, okay? And malleability has to do with how flexible a material is. Now, some materials are not very flexible at all. You know, carbon can only go so far before it snaps. Carbon's like lead, right? It can only go so far before it snaps. But you can take gold, gold, and you can, man, you can make all sorts of stuff out of gold, right? Most metals are, are that way. Copper is extremely malleable. And, you know, naturally, we tend to not have a very malleable mind. Naturally, we tend to be inflexible in our thinking, Naturally, we're slow to change despite clear evidence that indicates we need to, okay? Some of us change when the pain gets too high. Finally, we'll change our minds. And so accepting the reality of an ending, especially a tragic ending like for these disciples, is really challenging because it forces us to adapt. It forces us to develop new relationships, new skills, new familiarity. I mean, think about it. If you have to like physically move to a new place, you're trying to find, where does my dishes go? Where should I, how should I order my garage? You know, who, sh- who should park on the left? Who should park on the right? How do we get to the nearest gas station? Where's the best school in the area? Uh, if you uh, are facing like a job change, you're getting to know your new boss, your new direct reports, and where the copy machine is, and all this other stuff. If you're facing the loss uh, uh, or having to move on from a close friend or a, uh, the loss of a loved one, all of it is new, okay? All of it forces us to be new, and if we stay inflexible in our thinking, eventually we're going to snap, okay? i being an athlete, I, I kind of relate it like this. You know, stiff and inflexible people are usually the first to get hurt when they go out and try to play, right? I, I recently, I had a friend, he, he confessed to me, you know, he goes, Mike, I didn't do anything this whole winter. I didn't work out, I didn't jog, I didn't lift, I didn't do anything. And then I heard a report that men who are 40, and he's almost 40, he goes, men who are, if, if you're 40 and you can't do like 40 push-ups in a row or something that you're at like super high risk for heart disease or something. So he says, I got down and I did like 40. I said, I was sweating and I'm like, you know, just go, he's like, took him an hour to do 40 push-ups, you know, he's dying. Well, he, a couple days later, he comes back and he thought literally he was having a heart attack. Twice, he went to the hot ER complaining of pain in his sternum right here, and he called his mom, they're having end-of-life talks, you know, on the phone, you know, everything right with Jesus, and he's like, serious trouble. Well, he finally gets to a doctor who says, you know what you have? You inflame the cartilage that connects your muscles to your bones by busting out 40 straight push-ups when you hadn't done one or even thought about one in a year. He goes, that's what's going on, let it rest, son, you know? And so we did, and he's doing better now. But you know what? Stiff and inflexible people typically get hurt if they don't stretch before they go out and compete or warm up a little bit. You know, some people, when they come out to stretch, they get about this far, and then it starts hurting, and they go, oh, okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. You know, they would rather endure 
they would rather go out and try to compete and then come up with a long-term injury and suffer through that than endure the short-term pain of stretching out for a couple minutes, right? And I think a lot of times when we face a, a, a time of transition, we are much the same. Rather than maintain a malleable mind, we would rather try to keep everything the same. And unfortunately, by an, uh, avoiding the sh- short-term pain of changing our minds, we suffer the long-term consequences of avoiding the necessary adaptations. Okay? And so, when we come to a time of transition, we need to maintain a malleable mind, but how do we do that? I got two things for you. The first is this, adapt or excuse me, adopt a longer view of life. Adopt a longer view of life. If there's anything about the stats I shared with you at the beginning, it it shows you that, listen, over the course of your life, if you live 80, 90, 100 years, things are going to change. It is only natural that things are going to change. So you might as well get used to that idea now, okay? Adopt a longer view of life. Second, remember who you're working with. Nothing's impossible with God, right? So don't underestimate him. I'm always amazed at how my, I or others uh, underestimate God when they get a, in a pinch, right? Nothing's impossible with God, so don't underestimate him. He is sovereign, so don't deny or resist his will in your life. If he's moving you, bringing you around, if he's taking somebody out of your life, putting someone in, don't resist it, go with it. And lastly, he is love. So don't doubt that the pain of change is because he doesn't love you. Don't doubt that he's, he's telling you, okay, we got to warm you up because I got something for you to do. And he starts helping you stretch. And you're like, oh, yeah, if you really love me, you wouldn't push me down any further. You know, and, and you're crying out, Lord, just stop. I can't do anymore. And he starts to twist you around and... You know, and you're like, oh, I can't deal with it. You don't love me. You don't love me. No, no. You know, don't doubt that the pain of change is, it is because he doesn't love you. No, he loves you. He wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross and be raised again if he didn't love you. And so maintain that malleable mind. If you do that, it's going to help you stay balanced. Okay, that's exactly where those disciples were. Their mind was not very malleable. All they could focus on was what they were losing and and they couldn't see anything that God was going to give them as a gain. So the first thing, maintain a malleable mind. That will help you finish well. The second thing has to do with starting strong. Okay, how do you start a new season strong? One part of your life, one person in your life is it's ending. That part is ending and a new part is beginning. How do you get a strong start? Well, how did the disciples get uh, a, a strong start? Look back at verse 15 with me. Look back at verse 15. In verse 15, Jesus shares the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's the Great Commission. We are still attempting to fulfill that. And in verses uh, 17 and 18, Jesus describes some signs that will accompany their work. Now, in Acts, we see the fulfillment of every one of these signs except the one about the drinking the deadly poison. But early church historians record reports of this where Christians were uh, forced by their captors, I think that's the right word, by their captors to drink deadly poison, but they would not die as a result of that. 
And so in verse 20, look down to verse 20, we see them starting strong. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And so how did they start strong? They obeyed promptly. They took initiative. Mark says they went and God worked. They went, God worked, okay? I think that that's true for us, kind of as a side note. If we go, God's gonna get it done, okay? And as I thought about that, I really think that half the battle in starting strong is just mustering the courage to go and get started, right? Isn't that true about so much of, uh, of the things that we try to start in life? It's just getting that courage to get going. Arthur Ashe once said, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And I think that's very good advice. When we go and get started, the Lord will confirm our work just as he did with the disciples. And as we go, he's going to give us everything we need to be successful. And so the application point I have for us today, the second one is this, to stay balanced during times of transition, make yourself available. Make yourself available. I think starting strong it, it just requires us to make ourselves available. One of my favorite business books is called The First 90 Days. The First 90 Days. Anybody changing jobs, go get it on Amazon. Okay, it's a fantastic book, The First 90 Days um, by Watkins. You know, the very first thing that Watkins says before you even start a job is he talks about promoting yourself in your mind. Promote yourself that the, your, job, your other job is done and what made you successful in your old job might not make you successful in your new job. And similarly, anything that failures you might have carried in from your past job doesn't mean that you have to fail again. So he talks about promoting yourself. And I think making yourself available is very, very similar. Let me show you how. You see, going implies availability. When someone says, hey, are you going to see Avengers Endgame? You say, no, I'm really busy. That says I'm not available. Oh, yeah, I'm available. When are you going? I'm going at 7. Yeah, I'm going at 7. Do we sit by each other? You know, going implies availability. And so uh, to a large extent, going and getting started requires you to make some margin in your life. When you have no margin, you have no availability. And so here's what happens. When people come in, they, they move to a new location, they start a new job, they, they, have to, they have to make room in their life for new people, new skills, new ways of thinking. Otherwise, they come in with a handicap. They come in handicapped. They, if their mind is literally at full capacity, they're going to have no space to think through any of the things in their new place. If they have no room in their heart, they're going to really struggle making new connections and new friends, right? If they have no room in their spirit, those blessings that God are going to, it wants to pour down on that new place uh, it, because they're in that new place. It's like they have an umbrella up and it just kind of hits and washes right over, right? I see this all the time when I, I at, even just at school, one of the things that came up they're trying to get like these new programs and new programs and new programs and, and the t other teachers are freaking out. And I just finally said, listen, I, I said very politely, I said, listen, these, it's not that what you're saying is bad and what you want 
these teachers to do is bad. It's that they literally have no mental capacity to put the new in. They can't learn anything new right now because they're too busy doing everything else already. And so do you see what I'm saying? If you have no margin in your mind, your heart, or in your spirit, you're going to come into a new place handicapped. You have to make yourself available, available to learn new skills, to meet new people. And that's exactly what we see the disciples doing. If you read through the book of Acts, you see them making themselves available, going and fulfilling this great uh, commission ministering and preaching. They got, even got to a point where they uh, were busy serving tables and whatnot. And they said, our availability is getting cut down. We need to find some people to help with this so we can continue to be available for prayer in the ministry of the word, right? And so when you go into a new place, you have to make yourself available and let, uh, make room for the new, essentially. St. Francis of Assisi once said, start by doing what is necessary, then do what is possible. And suddenly, you'll be doing the impossible. And I think that that's terrific advice for us when we find ourselves starting a new season of life. It is naturally going to be overwhelming going into a new place, meeting new people, trying to find the gas station, trying to find the coffee in the grocery store, right? My wife tells me about because she does the grocery shopping, and the first few times she has to go to the grocery store, it takes her three times as long, right? Because in a new place, you don't know where stuff is. So start with what is necessary. Start with what's possible, and then you'll be doing the impossible. Doing this helps us stay balanced when our natural tendency is to be overwhelmed. So change. Coming back to those stats at the beginning. Change is inherently a part of our life. It is normal. It is going to happen and it's happening right now. In fact, I go so far as to say that life is generally out of balance. But that does not mean that you and I have to be out of balance as well. We can maintain our balance, especially as followers of Christ. If amidst all the changes and all the transitions that occur in our life or, and will occur in our life, if we can maintain our balance through it, I think it's a powerful testimony to the people around us because you know what? Without Christ, they're not keeping their balance. Without Christ, they're reaching out to adopting all sorts of bad habits, trying to cope with the changes that are occurring in their lives. And so when they see us and we're making it through smoothly, I think it's an opportunity to share our faith with them. I know that some, uh, we have some families moving soon or others experiencing changes in their jobs and, and even maybe even losing loved ones or things of that nature. If you're in a season of transition and you'd like someone to pray about it, I know that I would be glad to pray. Greg, as an elder, would be glad to pray. Nate, uh, uh, Nate Teglin uh, would be glad to pray with us. Let us know so that we can be agreeing with you throughout the week. If you'd like someone to pray with you before you go today, I'll, I'll be glad to step off to the side um, and, and pray and I, we're here for you. That's what I'm trying to say. And so uh, with that, let's, let's stand. Let's dismiss in prayer this morning. Remember, next week, we do not have a morning service as we'll be at Bayou Gulch at noon, okay? Uh, sign up to bring something to the picnic so we don't all bring the same thing. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I'm so thankful that you are with us during times of transition. You don't leave us to fend for ourselves. God, you are there to keep us steady, Lord. And so I pray that as we approach uh, seasons of transition, each one of us are at different places. And um, I, I just pray that we would maintain that malleable mind, God, that flexible, that flexibility in our thinking, Lord, that if you want to do something new with us or bring new people into our lives, that we would have that open heart. Father, I pray that we would make room in our hearts, make room in our minds and in our lives for the new, even in our spirits, God. If there's new blessings, new uh, character traits, new ways that we can become like Jesus and you want to work it in our hearts, I pray we make room for that as well. Lord, I pray a blessing over each of us as we go today, enjoy this afternoon. Lord, just protect us as we're out and about and, and just uh, meet each person right where they're at. We thank you for each one and for your blessing in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You're loved. Have a great week, guys. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that his truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.